2: Did you know? In the Japanese version of Super Smash Bros, the beam sword sounds very similar to the lightsabers from Star Wars. However, these effects were swapped out for less recognizable sounds in the game's international release. Since Star Wars The Phantom Menace was set to release less than a month after Smash Bros in the States, the change was likely made to avoid legal action from Lucasfilm. Interestingly, sounds of the beam sword would later go back to resembling lightsabers in international versions of Brawl and Smash 4. Characters in the Japanese release also had somewhat realistic punching and kicking sounds for their attacks. These were replaced with more slapstick sound effects in the West, likely to guarantee the game a child-friendly rating. There's also an unused voice clip of the announcer saying Jigglypuff in the Japanese game. Its presence is interesting, as Jigglypuff is only called by its native name Purrin in the Japanese game. The presence of this clip might suggest that Smash Bros. was intended for an international release before it was even finished. Speaking of unused names, Super Smash Bros. was nicknamed Pepsi Man early in production. This is because the game originally used metallic-looking, featureless characters that resembled Japan's Pepsi mascot, Pepsi Man. These figures ended up being temporary combatants and were only used to program the game in its initial stage. The game was officially referred to as Kokuto Gameuro during development, which roughly translates as Dragon King the fighting game. The project got this title from the Town area where its developers, HAL Laboratory, were located. The game's creator Masahiro Sakurai wanted to offer an alternative to popular fighting games and make a game where every play session was unique. In the beginning, there were only three people working on the prototype. Sakurai was in charge of game design and graphics. Another developer handled sound design, and Satoru Iwata, who was president of HAL at the time, programmed the game in his spare time. Sakurai took pictures of the raw area and used them as backgrounds in the game, which can be seen in early screenshots. At least two other levels were conceptualized while the game still used featureless characters. These levels can be seen in the book Think About Video Games, but it's unclear if they were planned to be playable areas or simply illustrations. During this early stage, the team had trouble defining the game's world and giving it an identity. In an Iwata app, interview Sakurai explained you have to have some main characters in a fighting game and when you line up character one two three and so on the main characters end up blurring together with a game for the arcade it's okay for character development to take a back seat since players are content with the fighting for the home console however you have to set up the general atmosphere of the gaming world right from the start or else the game suffers that's why I asked to use Nintendo characters when Iwata appealed to Nintendo executive Shigeru Miyamoto to use Nintendo characters Miyamoto refused Iwata did Didn't tell Sakurai about his conversation with Miyamoto, and asked Sakurai to create a demo anyway in hopes of changing Miyamoto's mind. A prototype featuring Donkey Kong, Samus, Fox McCloud, and Mario was made and presented to Miyamoto, as they were the easiest to fit into the existing engine. The demo went over well, and the team was given permission to use Nintendo characters. The final game had even more characters, and eight were unlocked from the start. Their arrangement on the character select screen even holds a secret as they're placed in chronological order. Mario and Donkey Kong first appeared in 1981, Link and Samus debuted in 1986, Yoshi in 1990, Kirby in 1992, Fox in 1993, and Pikachu in 1996. The four unlockable characters are also arranged chronologically. Luigi debuted in 1983, Captain Falcon in 1990, Ness in 1994, and Jigglypuff in 1996. In addition to the 12 characters that made it into the game, there were several that had to be cut. Both Mario's Bowser and Kirby's King Dedede were being worked on during development, but were dropped. There were also plans to include Mewtwo in the game, though the character apparently never made it into actual production. In an interview for the book Making of Fire Emblem, 25 Years of Development Secrets, Sakurai revealed that he initially wanted Marth to be playable in the original Smash Bros as well. He wanted to include Marth so that players had a choice when it came to sword-wielding characters. Since Link is a swordsman that uses brute force, the more technique-oriented Marth would add variety. The desire to include Marth in Smash 64 is also why he was planned to appear in Super Smash Bros. Melee from the start of Melee's development. Unfortunately, heavy time constraints meant that Marth had to be left out. These constraints were so restricting that the only reason the game's unlockable characters made the cut was because they reused existing assets. Captain Falcon reuses animations from Samus, and arguably kept the same structure as the project's original, featureless characters. Luigi and Jigglypuff also reused several elements from Mario and Kirby. The game was originally planned for a Christmas 1998 release, which gave the team a little over a year to make it. Super Smash Bros. slipped back to a January 1999 release in Japan, and wouldn't see an international release until months later. The game's stages also had harsh restrictions. Artists would have to try and keep a level's geometry under 150 polygons, which is about a fifth of the polygons used in Mario's model for Super Mario 64. They generally succeeded, and most levels in the game use less than 200 polygons. Although they had harsh limitations, the team still had some fun while making levels. Sakurai's wife, Michiko, worked on the project several years before they married. Michiko mentioned that she put the buzzy beetles into the final Mushroom Kingdom stage without getting approval, and no one noticed. The stages also changed over the course of development. The Metroid level was originally very different. Players would have fought on a satellite orbiting a star, but the team went with a level that better represented the franchise. There's also two unused stages in the game's data that were used to test the game. The first featured a triangle of stationary wooden platforms, and the second is much larger with several floating platforms. Both stages are similar to Dreamland, but have multiple textures and objects not seen anywhere else in the game. The Dreamland stage was one of the earliest stages to be made, which is likely why it was used for testing. The stage even kept the same layout from the original stage design in Dragon King, the fighting game. The level where the player fights Metal Mario and the race to the finish mini-game stage both have unused spawn locations for four characters. This seems to suggest that they were a part of the game's multiplayer. Player at one point in development. Sakurai has also stated that he originally intended to include the final smashes from Brawl in the N64 game. This is further evidenced by the game's data, which holds unused Final Smash sounds for Samus, Kirby, Fox, Pikachu, Captain Falcon, and Ness. Some of these sounds were even reused in Brawl. The game has other unused ideas. When designing the credits sequence, Sakurai took inspiration from the Pirates of the Caribbean ride at Disneyland. His original idea was to have the player running down a dark tunnel while holding a flashlight, and people's names would suddenly pop out. The player could then shoot the names, causing them to explode. This idea was scrapped as blowing up the names seemed disrespectful to the people who worked on the game. Interestingly, Charles Martinet, the voice actor for both Mario and Luigi, had his name misspelled in the credits as Charles Martinie.
3: Did you know? Melee soundtrack was such a feat that even the game's composers didn't fully understand its scope until they realized they'd need a live orchestra. Series creator Masahiro Sakurai was so adamant about using an orchestra that he promised to pay for it with his own money if he had to. Ultimately, only a select few songs in the game were recorded live, while the rest were created digitally. Even so, the composers doubt that players can determine which songs are digital compositions, such as the track for the Green Green stage. One song that was recorded live is Melee's remix of the DK rap. Although the remix features numerous changes in tempo, the actual track was recorded all at the same speed. Certain parts were sped up during editing, which caused the vocals to change pitch. Additionally, the remix features the character select music from the original Smash Bros. mixed in. The theme for Melee's opening cinematic was also recorded live. While the orchestra was recording in another room, Sakurai was going over the cinematic in real time with the performance, making notes on which parts were in or out of sync with the music. Sakurai's work became so intense that he once fainted from exhaustion after recording finished, and had to be given an IV at the hospital. This isn't the only display of Sakurai's work ethic. For several months towards the end of development, Sakurai only took a single day off work. With such an ambitious project, it was inevitable that some features would be left out during production. When he first started working on a sequel to Smash Bros., Sakurai included an idea for 8-player multiplayer in his planning documents. However, in Sakurai's words, the technical limitations of the GameCube made the idea more than impossible. This mode appeared in the Wii U version of Smash Bros., and even on a much more powerful system, the mode was a struggle to implement. Melee's debug menu reveals that Ditto was once intended to appear as a Pokemon within the Pokeball item. If Ditto is inserted into the game via hacking, it'll make a brief appearance and speak its name. Ditto may have been cut very late into development, as it's even mentioned in Melee's official English strategy guide. The guide states that Ditto would turn into a copy of whichever character released him and temporarily join the battle as their ally. Ditto's mechanics sound similar to the series' assist trophies. Although Ditto wasn't planned as an assist trophy, assist trophies were planned to appear in Melee. Another unused item was the Japan-exclusive character Sukapon from the fighting game Joy Mecha Fight. According to Sakurai, players could ride Sukapon and cause havoc. The character was left out of Melee entirely because of financial and legal issues. Pokémon were planned to be stage hazards on the Pokémon Stadium level, similar to Saffron City in the original Smash Bros. This feature had to be scrapped due to programming issues, but some of the creatures were salvaged and put inside the Pokéball item. Sprout Tower from the Johto region of Pokemon was planned to be a stage very early on, but it was left out. A hidden stage for the Ice Climbers was also considered, named Summit. There's a cut stage in the game titled Ice Top, which has a similar meaning to its name and may be the remnants of Summit. Also within the game's data are several test stages and earlier versions of finished levels, as well as a level called Akania that crashes upon loading. Sakurai later confirmed that Akania was the name of a scrapped Fire Emblem stage that would have featured interactive stage elements, such as catapults and a dragon. Melee stages also have some interesting secrets. The game's temple stage has markings on the edges of some platforms. Although they resemble Hylian, these markings are gibberish and are simply rotated on either side of the Triforce. Since the resolution would make the text readable in Smash on the Wii U, the writing was updated to actual Hylian when the stage was remade. The text is romanized Japanese and spells Sumashu Budazazu, which can be interpreted as Smash Brothers. Melee's trophies also hold some interesting secrets. Several of them display a reflection of what is actually an image of Osohe Castle taken from the cancelled title Earthbound 64. The Metroid trophy has a reflection of the title screen from Super Metroid, and the Metal Mario trophy shows Melee's Yoshi's Island stage. Ayumi Tachibana has a reflection of a cat's face, and the Fire Kirby trophy is reflecting a baby. When Sakurai was coming up with new characters for Melee, he decided to include a character from the Nintendo Entertainment System era. The characters considered for this spot included a Balloon Fighter, the Urban Champion, an Excite Bike racer, and Bubbles from Clu Clu Land. Designers were unable to come up with a viable moveset for Urban Champion and Bubbles, whereas the Balloon Fighter had no way to fight without his balloons. The Excite Bike Racer, on the other hand, was ruled out due to difficulties figuring out how he would move and jump during gameplay. Ultimately, Ice Climbers would become the candidate to represent the NES era. Takamaru from Nintendo's The Mysterious Murasame Castle was briefly considered as well, but was rejected due to his lack of representation in the West. Banjo-Kazooie and James Bond were among the characters requested by fans that were held back from inclusion due to licensing concerns. Banjo, a rare-owned character, drifted permanently out of Nintendo's reach once the company and its properties were acquired by Microsoft months before Melee's initial release. James Bond also faced issues such as actors' likenesses, movie rights, and realistic firearms, which limited his chances even further. One of the most highly requested characters was Wario, who actually came close to being included, but was dropped due to time constraints. In addition to that, Sakurai had reservations about filling the game with too many Mario characters. Nonetheless, he stated that if they were given the time to add one more character, it would have been Wario. Other characters who couldn't be included for similar reasons were Sonic the Hedgehog and Solid Snake, who were requested by the former head of Sonic Team, Yuji Naka, and Metal Gear series creator, Hideo Kojima. Kojima's son was a big fan of Smash Brothers and asked his father if one of Kojima's characters could have a place in the game. This prompted Kojima to call Sakurai and ask for Snake to be featured as a guest character. At one point, the developers intended to cut Ness from the game and replace him with Lucas, the protagonist of Mother 3, a game which was still in production at the time. However, Mother 3's development would eventually fall off track, causing Ness to stay. In an interview with Nico Nico, Sakurai revealed that he also considered including Ayumi Tachibana from the Famicom Detective Club, of which Sakurai is a fan. Since the series was never released outside of Japan, her international appeal was limited, preventing her from making the cut. Although, she did appear in the game as a trophy. Nintendo thought about removing Marth and Roy from the North American version of Melee, as their games had yet to release in the West. In the end, Nintendo of America decided to leave them in because they were, quote, "...fun characters."
1: Did you know? Super Smash Bros. Brawl was announced by former Nintendo president Satoru Iwata at E3 2005. During a conference, Iwata mentioned Smash Bros. as a title that would feature online multiplayer. Series creator Masahiro Sakurai was surprised by this announcement, as Nintendo hadn't approached him about making a new Smash Brothers at the time. Iwata met with Sakurai in private after the announcement and asked him to direct the game. Iwata even told Sakurai that if he refused, Nintendo would simply release a port of Super Smash Bros. Melee with online multiplayer and no. No other new features. Sakurai agreed, and Super Smash Bros. Brawl officially entered development. Since Sakurai was working as a freelancer, he had no staff immediately on hand for the project. Nintendo veteran Shigeru Miyamoto introduced him to the company Game Arts, who had just wrapped up Grandia 3. Game Arts had developers available to handle the production of Brawl while Sakurai assembled the rest of the team. This was an unconventional way to make a game, and partly relied on Sakurai's planning and his ability to visualize a complete game almost perfectly in his head. During an Iwata ask, interview, 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 Iwata admitted that he'd normally never let a game be made in such a way, but allowed the unorthodox production due to his faith in Sakurai. Since Brawl was such a complex project, it inevitably had characters that were cut from its roster for various reasons. Blastoise was initially considered as a part of the Pokémon Trainer's trio of monsters, but was pushed aside for Squirtle in the planning stages. Sakurai seems to have favored the progression from Squirtle to Ivysaur then Charizard as it provided balance and illustrated Pokémon's evolution mechanic. Another character who was briefly considered for the game was Star Fox's Crystal. Wolf was chosen over Crystal however, as Crystal is fairly different from other Star Fox characters and would need a new moveset. Wolf's similar design meant he could reuse elements from Fox and Falco, which would save time. Sakurai also wanted Super Mario RPGs Geno to be a playable character in Brawl. Since Geno is owned by Square Enix and not Nintendo, it's believed legal issues prevented him from joining the roster. Animal Crossing's Villager was also considered to appear in Brawl. He decided against the character as Sakurai initially thought they weren't a good fit for a fighting game. Pac-Man was briefly considered for Brawl after Miyamoto suggested Sakurai consider the character. Sakurai seemed to have difficulty establishing a moveset for Pac-Man at the time, which was the main reason Pac-Man wasn't included. Mii's were also considered for the game, but the idea was short-lived. They were mainly scrapped over concerns with online bullying. Two more characters that were planned and possibly worked on for Brawl are Pokémon's Mewtwo and Roy from Fire Emblem. Empty data files reveal that Roy had a unique victory fanfare already made, while Mewtwo had a unique victory fanfare and a Wii Remote sound. Dixie Kong was also planned to be part of the game's roster, and would have been paired with Diddy Kong. The duo would likely have tagged in and out of play like in Donkey Kong Country 2, but the mechanic was cut due to programming issues early on, and Diddy became his own character. Pokemon's Plusle and Minun seem to have been considered as well. Some files are labeled Pra-Mai, which loosely corresponds to their Japanese names, Hurasuru and Minan. It seems these characters would have played as a duo like Popo and Nana. Both Popo and Nana, and theoretically Diddy and Dixie, are actually two separate characters that are just loaded at the same time. This means that a four-player match with all Ice Climbers is essentially an 8-fighter match. The container for Pra Mai is different, as it possibly suggests two characters in one fighter. This could mean that Plusle and Minun used an unknown mechanic where they played as a single entity. Dr. Mario is also referenced in the game's internal character listing data, as well as Toon Zelda and Toon Sheik. While many believe that Toon Sheik refers to Tetra, there's little evidence to suggest this, and Sakurai has never commented on the characters to confirm or deny this. During development, Sakurai thought about how best to capitalize on the game's all-star roster, and came up with the idea of a giant adventure mode which would become the subspace emissary. In order to write the story for it, Sakurai enlisted the help of Kazushige Nojima, who previously wrote the scenarios for games such as Final Fantasy VII and Kingdom Hearts. Nojima's early drafts didn't quite meet Sakurai's expectations, however, and included scenes such as Samus and Donkey Kong riding to the stadium in a bus while Snake watched from a distance. Sakurai wanted the story to have a more serious tone, so the two worked together to produce the final story. Working on the Subspace Emissary proved to be a huge task and required as much work as an entire standalone game. This portion of the game was supposed to be made by an outside studio, but Sakurai couldn't find a suitable studio for the daunting project. Part of the reason why Subspace Emissary took so much work is because the animators manually recreated footage that Sakurai recorded himself. In order to ensure the animators knew exactly how to represent the various characters in the game, Sakurai physically acted out the cutscenes. This added a lot of work to the Subspace Emissary, as no motion capturing was used. The reason that Wolf, Jigglypuff, and Toon Link only appear at the end of the adventure mode and play no role in the story is because they were added to the game at the end of development and actually came extremely close to being cut entirely. Sonic the Hedgehog, likewise, only appears at the very end of the story for similar reasons. That said, Sonic was actually planned to be in the game from the beginning. According to the book History of Sonic, Sega initially refused Nintendo's request to include Sonic and the project had to continue without him. Eventually, Sega changed their minds and allowed Sonic to participate, but it happened so late into production that it caused the game to be delayed. A possible offshoot of this is Sonic's victory fanfare, which is actually the stage clear theme lifted straight from the soundtrack of 2006's Sonic the Hedgehog. Sonic's fanfare is the only one in brawl to be taken from another game rather than being an original composition. Another audio secret is that the voice actor for King Dedede is none other than Masahiro Sakurai himself. The game's announcer, as well as the voice of Master Hand, was Pat Cashman, who is perhaps most famous for his role as the narrator on the show, Bill Nye the Science Guy. There's another notable name in the game's credits. Goichi Suda, the creator of No More Heroes and Killer7, has a special thanks in Brawl's credits. According to an interview with Source Gaming, this is because Suda allowed his development studio, Grasshopper Manufacture, to assist with Brawl's audio. Brawl also has several unseen secrets. The textures for the Trophy of Perry, Peach's Talking Parasol from Super Princess Peach have similar file names as the textures for Peach herself. Additionally, the in-game model for Peach's parasol is labeled Kasar, which is the Japanese name for Parry. This seems to suggest that Peach was originally planned to use Parry in her moveset instead of her normal parasol. Another secret relating to textures was mentioned by Sakurai in an interview with Nintendo Dream. Sakurai revealed that Brawl was planned to include a mechanic where the characters' weapons and armor would be damaged and even break during a fight. This would put more skilled players who were able to survive for a longer period of time at a disadvantage. Ultimately, these ideas were scrapped due to time constraints. However, there was a large amount of work done on the concept, and damaged armor textures for several characters can still be found in the game's files. A texture for Link also holds textures for Twilight Princess's Ordon Sword, despite the sword not appearing in the game. A texture for the Metroid Assist trophy also contains a small illustration of Earthbound's Mr. Saturn. Mr. Saturn's position on the texture makes sure the doodle stays hidden in-game, Another hidden detail can be found on the Mario Circuit stage. Although players only fight in a small area, the entire course is modeled. Super Smash Bros. Brawl had a large impact on gaming. One example of its impact is a fan creation that became the longest known work of English literature. The Brawl fan fiction is over 4 million words long, making it about 8.5 times the length of the Lord of the Rings
4: books. Did you know? Despite Mr. Game & Watch frequently being labeled as Super Smash Bros. oldest franchise representative, there is another representative that's been around longer. The Duck Hunt series technically predates the Game & Watch games by over three years. The first Duck Hunt was a light gun toy with a projector, originally released in 1976. However, the Duck Hunt character in Smash is from the 1984 NES iteration, and the animal duo appears within this time frame in All-Star mode. The Wii U and 3DS versions of Super Smash Bros. are the largest entries in the series to date. The workload even overwhelming director Masahiro Sakurai. On his regular column in the magazine Weekly Famitsu, Sakurai explained, I work from mornings to late nights, even on weekends and holidays. I hardly have any free time, let alone time to play other games. His job was made even more difficult when he was diagnosed with tendonitis, a disorder characterized by inflammation of the tendons and high levels of pain. To enable the healing process, he was unable to use his dominant right arm and was forced to use a trackball with his left hand while working on the game. Sakurai has also mentioned that some new challengers in Smash Wii U and 3DS were originally considered to be included in Smash Bros. Brawl. Pac-Man! Villager and me, Fighters were all candidates for playable combatants, but never made it past the planning stages. This is due to the development team feeling they weren't suited for battle. Pac-Man was originally suggested by Shigeru Miyamoto. Sakurai passed on including Pac-Man in Brawl because he wasn't sure how the character would be implemented. Namco Bandai's involvement in the latest Super Smash Bros. is partially why Pac-Man was finally added. The Mii Fighters were excluded from Brawl because the development feared they might be used for online bullying. This is also why the Mii Fighters in Super Smash Bros. for Wii U and 3DS cannot be used online against strangers. The final roster for the game was determined early in development. In fact, Greninja was chosen to be in Smash before he even appeared in a Pokemon game. At that point, the only reference material Sakurai's team had were sketches and rough explanations of the Pokemon. When the time came to think about a new challenger from the Fire Emblem series, Sakurai wanted to include someone from Fire Emblem Awakening as he'd play through the game in his free time. At first, Chrom was considered, but Sakurai didn't want to add another stock Sword Wielder to the series. Robin was chosen instead because he had more potential for a unique and interesting move set. The explanation for choosing Robin over Chrom caused a negative reaction from some fans. They pointed out an apparent contradiction, given the fact that newcomer Lucina is exactly that, another sword wielder similar to other fighters. However, Sakurai explained that Lucina was originally included as an alternate mode for Marth, similar to the male and female variants for Robin, Wii Fit Trainer and Villager. Dr. Mario and Pit also started out as alternate costumes. As the game progressed, there was a desire to give these characters more variation powers, such as Dr. Mario's pills and Dark Pit's electroshock arm. To necessitate this plan, the costumes had to be separated into their own character slots. The innocuous decision caused more controversy when fans felt three clones stole slots from other highly anticipated candidates. Sakurai responded to these criticisms by explaining that very few man hours went into their development compared to other fighters. They simply needed fine-tuning, as the characters they came from had already been balanced. One of the most requested fighters that didn't make the cut was the antagonist from the Metroid series Ridley. Sakurai explained his reason for not including the monster space pirate. He's too big. I definitely know that Ridley's a much anticipated name for fans. But if we made Ridley as a fighter, it wouldn't be Ridley any longer. It'd have to be shrunk down or its wings reduced in size or unable to fly around freely. Other fighters weren't so lucky. Along with Snake, Wolf, Lucas, and Pokemon Trainer, the Ice Climbers were sadly cut from the Smash lineup. But it wasn't always this way. Sakurai's team had the Ice Climbers fully working in the Wii U version at one point, but the 3DS developers had trouble getting them to function. The team was committed to keeping the rosters identical in both the Wii U and 3DS versions, so the Ice Climbers had to be cut entirely. The 3DS hardware shaped other aspects of the game as well. The fact that Zelda and Sheik were made separate characters was due to the 3 dss comparatively modest processing power. Sakurai stated he thinks this limitation led the team in a good direction, and that the two characters feel more fresh separated. Another change relates to the Magicant's Stage Hazard, Flying Man. Originally, this character also had a 3D model, as opposed to the 2D sprites in the final release. The 2D version was used to lessen the strain on the 3DS hardware. The Smash Bros. series has developed a history of high-quality animated video sequences. But whereas Brawl cutscenes could be found in the game's single-player mode, the animation for the Super Smash Bros. for Wii U and 3DS were reserved for character introduction videos shared by Nintendo Online. This is because after the release of Brawl, the Subspace Emissary cutscenes were soon spread on the internet by fans. Sakurai explained, I felt if players saw the cutscenes outside of the game, they would no longer serve as rewards for playing the game so I've decided against having them. Instead, Nintendo commissioned animations to help promote the game leading up to its release, effectively taking control of the spread of the videos themselves. The Wii U-only mode 8-player Smash was an idea that dates all the way back to the planning stages of Super Smash Bros. Melee. It was in the project plans document for the GameCube game, but it was left out of the final version because of technical limitations. 8-player Smash just barely made it in the latest Smash, and in order to fit it in, the development had to limit stage selection and cut out some stage hazards. Nintendo's developer and localizers have filled Smash 3D and Wii U with tons of fun fan references. After obtaining every Mii outfit, the congratulatory notification will read, Collected every type of custom outfit. Your body is ready. This is in reference to the phrase,
5: "My My body is ready.
4: This was stated by Nintendo of America CEO Reggie Fisseme at E3 2007 and has since become popular among Nintendo fans. Another call out to fans occurred when the random name generator shows the text, No Johns. This was also a quote by Reggie from a short video that played for Evo 2014 Smash Brothers Melee singles tournament. Please, no Johns. This phrase is popular among hardcore Smash fans and means no excuses. The original phrase began with a group of fans in Crystal City, Texas. One of these players, named John, became notorious among the group for frequently coming up with excuses for losing matches, such as a distraction or a broken controller. When his friends began saying no Johns in public, other players began saying it as well. It soon spread to the popular forum Smashboard. From there, it became a globally recognized phrase, with its popularity hitting a crescendo after being invoked by the CEO of Nintendo of America. Despite unwittingly becoming the butt of a joke for the entire community, John wasn't phased, and he still plays Smash competitively with his friends under the alias Ace.
6: Did you know, Smash Ultimate's project plan seems to be dated around December 16th, 2015. Hardcore fans may know the significance of this date, as it was the same day as the final Smash broadcast for Smash for 3DS and Wii U. Sakurai stated in an interview with Denfaminiko Gamer that this was just a coincidence as he'd been working on the plan for quite some time. Before Smash for 3DS and Wii U were completely finished, Sakurai told gaming magazine Famitsu that his next project was already decided and that he'd be taking a short break. Actual work on the next installment of Smash wouldn't pick up until Bayonetta and Korin were released as DLC. Interestingly, Sakurai considers Smash Ultimate to be the sixth entry in the series. This is because while the roster is the same between the 3DS and Wii U games, their different stages and features make them unique. Speaking of rosters, when Sakurai first presented the idea of bringing back every character in Smash history, he was met with complete and utter silence from his team. Sakurai was one of the few people outside of Nintendo who saw the Switch in its early development stages. He was surprised by how great the system screen became. The advancement in screen quality from the early prototype stages meant that Smash Ultimate could keep the same menu UI in both handheld or portable mode. The project plan for Smash Ultimate was quite ambitious and was over 200 pages long. This is because Sakurai used a lot of graphics and simple text to convey his vision. The top graphic represents what was in his project plan, images of Micro Men in various poses for attacks, and the bottom graphic represents the final version of that move. With a little under three years of development time, the team had quite a challenge. While the number of newcomers in new original stages is the lowest it's ever been in the series, Ultimate saw an expanded roster of 11 new characters and several veteran characters who were missing from Smash for 3DS and Wii U. In addition, nearly every single stage from Smash history was brought back. However, there are 18 missing stages from Smash history, two stages from Smash 64, 5 from Melee, 4 from Brawl, 2 from Smash for 3DS, and 5 from Smash for Wii U. Some of these stages were just replaced by newer versions. For example, Flat Zone and Flat Zone 2 were combined into Flat Zone X. However, as of this video's debut, we aren't sure why stages like Pokefloats, Orbital Gate Assault, or Woolly World are missing. In order to make his project plan a reality, Sakurai used two advantages. First, he decided to work with Bandai Namco again. Bandai Namco developed both Smash for 3DS and Wii U, and were already equipped to handle the massive undertaking of Smash Ultimate. In addition, Sakurai decided to directly build upon Smash for Wii U in order to devote more time to new content. There is some evidence of this within the game's files, as the internal name for Smash Ultimate is Cross 2. The Wii U version was internally named Cross. Sakurai would send daily pictures to his team in order to share progress and to motivate them. This is something he started during the development of Kid Uprising and it has continued since then. He even claims to have sent pictures during the weekends. In a Famitsu column titled Smash is Special, Sakurai spoke about how difficult making Smash Ultimate was. Sakurai said, For starters, bringing back every fighter drastically increases the cost of development. Even something that looks like a simple port has a huge number of man hours behind it. Moreover, in the case of Smash, we can't simply create whatever we want. I have to receive approval from the original creators of the characters and I need to reflect their feedback. Contractual agreements and other legal issues can also make development exceedingly difficult. In reality, it was quite a challenge to bring every fighter back and I barely made it work. Frankly, it almost didn't happen. Speaking of cut or missing content, Smash Ultimate features a wealth of new additions that were cut from earlier Smash games. One of these additions is Sukupan as an assist trophy. Sukupan was planned to be an item in Melee, but was cut due to complicated circumstances, most likely copyright issues. Another piece of cut content from Melee was the Ditto Pokeball. Ditto was finally realized in Smash Ultimate, taking on the appearance of another fighter and joining the battle. Within Smash Ultimate itself, there are three spirit categories that are unused. These are Blast Core, Jet Force Gemini, and Devil's Third. It's unknown why these franchises are unused, but it may be due to copyright or licensing issues. While some information for the game had leaked out, Sakurai and his team went out of their way to prevent any major leaks. This included using a huge screen at E3 instead of paper materials. Many people within Nintendo themselves had no idea the game was under development. Reflecting on the E3 presentation, Sakurai stated he could hear the cheers of the Nintendo employees as well. While there were some minor leaks before Ultimates unveiling at E3, the leaks didn't get major traction, making the concept of everyone is here a well-kept secret. To keep things from leaking, the team decided to announce all the characters before the game's release. However, several aspects of the game were leaked ahead of official announcements. The first major leak was by a Bandai Namco employee who stated the studio was working on the title. Nintendo also accidentally leaked the existence of Castlevania content in Smash Ultimate before the official Simon & Richter reveal by accidentally renaming the Galaga Melody on YouTube to Bloody Tears. While it was fixed before the Castlevania reveal aired, many internet spectators had already noticed the change. In addition, the game was leaked a few weeks before release due to stores in Mexico selling the game early. This allowed hackers and data miners to gain access to the game before its official launch. In terms of music, Smash Ultimate has an impressive amount of it. The team used a new compression technique in order to fit all 850 tracks into the cart. Without this, the price of Smash Ultimate would have risen severely, or many songs would have had to be cut. Some of the game's tracks ended up being heavily altered, or in some cases, redacted entirely. The beloved DK rap is missing verses for Lanky, Cranky, and Chunky despite the song being used for Lanky and Chunky Spirit Battles. Fans have noticed this and started a campaign to restore the track, called ExpandSong on Twitter. Interestingly, the Japanese vocalist for the game's main theme, LifeLight, was only 17 years old when she was chosen for the role. Irina Kogo was referred by Ultimate composer Hideki Sakamoto after seeing her in a television singing contest. Sakurai also wrote the lyrics to LifeLight himself. During the development of Smash for 3DS and Wii U, Nintendo ran the Smash ballot to see which characters were most requested by fans. For Ultimate, the team used these ballot results to help decide new characters. The newcomers chosen from the ballot were King K. Rool, Ridley, and Simon & Richter Belmont. Sakurai wanted to add a new third-party universe into Ultimate and thought Castlevania was an ideal fit. However, he struggled with choosing a character and considered Alucard at one point. He decided that Simon & Richter were better candidates in part because their whips are iconic to the series. When deciding Ridley, Sakurai and his team landed on the concept of pure evil. This is evident not only through his moveset but his initial reveal trailer where he straight up murders Mega Man by stabbing him in the chest. Incineroar was the only character whose inclusion was decided at a later point. A spot was left open for a new Pokemon rep, and after seeing the new Pokemon from Sun and Moon, Sakurai felt he had two choices, Incineroar or Decidueye. After mulling it over, Sakurai decided a fighter with a wrestling motif would be interesting and decided on Incineroar. Incineroar was voiced by Unsho Ishizuka, who also voiced Professor Oak in the Japanese Pokemon anime. Unfortunately, Ishizuka passed away in August before the character was revealed. The creator of Bomberman, Shoji Mizuno, also passed away before it was shown that Bomberman would make it into Smash as an assist trophy. Spirits mode was developed as a result of limitations set by Sakurai and the development team. They wanted a single-player mode that could utilize the game's plethora of stages, music, and characters. However, they didn't want the mode to drain too much of the team's resources. Fighting quick battles themed after a variety of video game characters allowed the team to make a sizable single-player campaign without taking too much focus away from the core game. It also allowed characters who wouldn't be playable in the game to have some representation. One interesting tidbit about Spirits is that a fan-made version of the Masked Man spray from Mother 3 was used in Smash Ultimate. The spray was originally made by Warpstar X on DeviantArt. The spray was eventually changed in version 2.0 to be the actual spray from Mother 3. Smash Ultimate surpassed the lifetime sales of every other Smash game in Japan in less than five weeks. And as of this video has sold over 12 million copies worldwide. Ultimate was also Charles Martinet's 100th voice actor credit. The achievement earned Martinet a Guinness record for most voice credits in a video game. The game also credits four Smash players for their help with the game's development. Tomoyasu Yamakawa, Ryudo Hayashi, Yuya Araki, and Masaya Chikamoto were all credited for their help with testing and quality assurance. When thinking of what's next for Smash, Sakurai is unsure. He said that bringing back everyone is probably a one-time thing and trying to top Smash Ultimate will be something he'll need to address if he's asked to come back again. However, Smash Ultimate isn't finished yet. There is still DLC to be made, the production of which is underway. The first two DLC characters have been announced, Piranha Plant and Joker from Persona 5. Joker's voice actor, Xander Mobis, also serves as the announcer for Smash Ultimate, as well as Smash for 3DS and Wii U. So not only is this the first time a Smash announcer has also voiced a fighter, it's also the first time an announcer has reprised their role.
5: Did you know? The Super Smash Brothers series is so detailed that many of its secrets go unnoticed in plain sight. Smash Bros for the Wii U has a coin battle mode, which has a fair amount of detail in the design of its currency. The paper money includes the letters S-M-B-R, which are the first letters of each romanized mirror in the Japanese abbreviation of Smash Bros, Sumabura. The background features Nintendo's Kyoto headquarters, and below this is an autograph from Masahiro Sakurai. The man on the left is also believed to be Sakurai wearing a Mario-style hat, surrounded by what appears to be an emblem of Kirby's. Another hard-to-see secret is that the barrel cannon item in Melee has text on the bottom that reads 2L84ME. This is an abbreviation of too late for me, possibly referring to the challenge of avoiding and escaping the barrel during a match. The same text even appears in a piece of official artwork for the original Donkey Kong Country. Some of the series' secrets can't even be seen in normal play. In Brawl, the Meta Ridley trophy features a texture of a heart which is hidden behind metal plating. This is in fact a reference to the original Metroid Prime, where Meta Ridley's weak point was in his chest. Like in Smash, Meta Ridley's heart can only be seen via hacking the camera. Many of the series' secrets also span multiple games. Starting in Super Smash Bros. Melee, Nessa's Yo-Yo has featured text referencing a Nintendo console. The Yo-Yo in Melee reads out Dolphin Loop and Lab 2001, referencing Mother and Smash Bros. developer, HAL Laboratory, Melee's release date, and the GameCube's codename, Dolphin. With Smash Bros. Brawl onward, the yo-yo reads out Mother and Super Nintendo, followed by the game's year of release. Smash Ultimate continues this tradition with the text being updated to Super Nintendo 2018. The Congo Jungle stage has a different spelling in every game it's appeared in. Congo in Smash 64, past stages Congo Jungle in Melee, and Congo Jungle 64 in Smash Wii U. In Smash 64, Congo Jungle is spelled with a C rather than a K. It may have been an error on the part of the English localizers, as the word Congo is used for two countries in Africa, as well as for landmarks such as the Congo River and Congo Rainforest. The jungle in Donkey Kong Country makes a pun of the Congo name by combining it with the Kong name. The Fountain of Dreams in Melee has an interesting secret in its visuals. The stage's water uses low-resolution models for the characters, similar to the ones used when a player goes off-screen. Due to this, characters do not blink or close their eyes in their reflections. Smash Ultimate's Great Plateau Tower stage features Shikatext text that when translated reads out Smash Bros, similar to how the Temple stage post-brawl features Hylian text with the same message. In Smash 64, the Saffron City stage has a banner that reads Gotta Catch em All, the slogan of the Pokemon franchise which was best associated with the original anime. The slogan also shows up in the Japanese version of the game, erroneously reading, Got A Catch-em-All, and the Sylph name was spelt as Sylph. With the stages return in Ultimate, the name is now spelt Sylph, its original spelling from the Japanese Pokémon games, and the banner's error has also been fixed. The boxing ring stage in Smash 4 features a unique title for each fighter. Many of these are different for each of the game's translations, with some being adjusted to better fit their native audience, and many others making references to various media. The Japanese and English titles for Lucario and Mewtwo are Hero of the Aura and A Legend Reawakens, respectively, referencing Pokemon movies Lucario and the Mystery of Mew and Genesect, The Legend Awakened. Mega Man's PAL title is his most well-known nickname, The Blue Bomber, whereas the North American version used the Japanese title Blue Metal Hero, which was updated to Blue Bomber with the stage's inclusion in Ultimate. Diddy's North American title is The Acrobat, shortened from the original Japanese title Acrobat of the Southern Countries. His French title is Pirouettes et Cacouettes, meaning pirouettes and peanuts, a play on words on the famous French nursery rhyme Pirouette Cacouette. Ridley's North American title is Cunning God of Death, referencing his given title from the Japanese website for Metroid Zero Mission. this references the first Smash Bros., where, after unlocking him, the notice refers to Luigi as the Eternal Understudy. Rob's is the last of his kind, referencing the events of Brawl's subspace emissary, where Rob was the last Rob remaining. Video game developer Rare were credited in the first two Smash games for their contributions to Donkey Kong, but they were also responsible for the inclusion of several other items. Smash 64 featured the Motion Sensor Bomb, which took its design from Goldeneye 007's Proximity Mine. The name used in Smash is a literal translation of the original name. Goldeneye's Timed Mine was also planned for Melee, but went unused, either due to the two items looking too similar or licensing issues with the James Bond name. The Proximity Mine from Goldeneye's Spiritual Success successor, Perfect Dark, appears in Melee along with the game's cloaking device. In Melee's international release, the mine takes on its golden eye look, however, and both items' trophy descriptions hide their game of origin, instead listing them as top secret. Early screenshots show the item's description made references to Perfect Dark's Carrington Institute, with the final release instead saying they were a favourite among spies and other stealthy operatives. In an interview with Nintendo Dream, Sakurai explained the reason for this change was because Perfect Dark was an M-rated game, so they weren't allowed to use its likeness outside Japan. Even so, the Perfect Dark name still appears in Melee's credits, and Carrington Institute is still referenced in the PAL version. According to Rare writer Lee Loveday, in a 2009 edition of the Rare blog Scribes, there were a multitude of trophies for Rare characters in Melee at one point, but due to the impending buyout, they were removed from the final game. After Rare's sale to Microsoft, the motion sensor bomb was redesigned to be a smash original item for Brawl, whereas the cloaking device just disappeared. One Rare element has remained unchanged however, the easter egg in Corneria where Fox and Falco trigger narration from the Star Fox crew features voice acting from Rareware staff, who would go on to reprise their roles in Rare's then upcoming title, Star Fox Adventures. As Corneria returned in Brawl and Smash 4, the easter egg and voices have returned as well. In Brawl and Smash 4, when Pit gets KO'd via self-destruct, he may utter out, I'm done for, or I'm finished, referencing the Game Over screen in the original Kid Icarus. In Ultimate, it's revealed when Pit gets star-KO'd, he'll yell, I never learned how to read, in reference to one of Pit's lines from the English version of Kid Icarus Uprising, which Smash creator Masahiro Sakurai also directed. In early release footage for Melee, it was shown Captain Falcon's Blood Falcon-inspired costume had the words, Hellhawk written on the back, being the Japanese name of Blood Falcon's vehicle. Nintendo themselves confirmed the name would be changed in its English equivalent, Bloodhawk, in the final release. On the Smash Ultimate website, one of Captain Falcon's screenshots showed the Hellhawk name once again, though again this could be changed when the final game is released. The Hellhawk name did in fact show up in the PAL release of Smash Wii U, though this was likely just a mistake. When it came to Smash 4's release, North America saw the game a full week before PAL regions. Sakurai, had hoped for a simultaneous release date, but one roadblock was having to record voices for all the Pokemon. In Europe, most Pokemon had a different voice in each country in the Pokemon anime, meaning they had to record for each one, which took longer than planned. The one notable exception is Pikachu, as in every language it retains its original name and voice. Similarly in English, Jigglypuff is the only character to have kept its original voice recycled across all four games. This is even true after its voice in the anime changed, when dubbing was handled by the Pokemon company come the release of Brawl. The European, French, and German voices for Jigglypuff shared its voices with the anime counterpart until
7: Brawl's release. Did you know? In Super Smash Bros. for the N64, there is a hidden technique that can speed up recovery time. When performing a mid air attack, pressing Z right before the landing will cause the player's character to recover faster. This tip was never mentioned in the game's instruction manual or in the How to Play Cinematic. It was only described once on the original Super Smash Bros. website, listed as smooth landing under advanced moves. Some aerial attacks have a relatively long landing lag, such as Link's down A attack. This means that after the attack finishes, there is a gap where the player's character is vulnerable to attack without the ability to defend or counterattack. but this is where smooth landing comes into play. If the player presses Z, 11 frames or fewer before landing during an attack, the game will trigger the landing animation of a normal jump as opposed to the animation for an aerial attack recovery. It can only be done if the landing happens during the attack animation, and it does not work for specials, only the A button attacks. In Super Smash Bros. Melee, smooth landing functions slightly different. If shield is pressed 1 to frames before landing during an aerial attack, the aerial attack recovery animation speed is doubled. All Super Smash Bros. games run at 60 frames per second, which means that these frame requirements, like the 11 frames in Smash 64 and 7 frames in Melee, are much less than a single second long. While these techniques only give the player less than a second of additional attack possibilities, that extra time can be an absolute necessity in high-level tournament play. Competitive Melee fans have come to know smooth landing as L-canceling. Some say the name L-canceling comes from the fact that the L button can be used to execute the maneuver. However, the R button and Z button also work. Other fans say that L-canceling stands for lag-canceling, as in cancelling landing lag. In Super Smash Bros. Brawl, smooth landing was removed, and there are no practical ways to speed up landing animation. The same goes for Super Smash Bros. for Wii U and 3DS, however there is a callback to this technique in the custom character menu. It's a badge called Smooth Lander, which will automatically speed up landing animation for custom characters. There are many more helpful tips for racking up additional split seconds that can be utilized across all Super Smash Bros. installments. One of these tips is to simply use the crouch ability more often at the beginning of fights and other times when damage percentage is low. Many players are not aware that when a character is hit while crouching, damage percentage and knockback are reduced. At low percentages, knockback out of a crouch can be so short that the recovery from the hit can complete faster than the animation from the attack. This works especially well if the player's character has a quick attack that can be performed out of a crouch like fox or peach This is sometimes called crouch canceling by the competitive community because when used effectively It can cancel an attack from the opponent another competitive term for a game mechanic is directional influence It refers to the fact that it involves players consciously affecting their characters directional movement after they have been hit after a strong Attack it is recommended players hold a direction perpendicular to the direction their character is flying For example, if the player's character has been shot horizontally across the stage, the best response is to hold up. The logic is that up transfers some of the momentum of the blast vertically, increasing the size of the arc and reducing the overall horizontal momentum. The same is true for vertical strikes, in which the best response is to add horizontal momentum to reduce vertical momentum. Another gameplay tip is to be aware of stage blast lines when choosing a map. A blast line is the off-screen border that determines when a hit is a knockout. It's important to note that not all stages have equally proportioned blast lines. In these images, produced using Melee's master debug menu, the blast lines are marked with a yellow line, and the blue line indicates the distance the camera will travel before sending the character off-screen. Some characters have strong attacks that will shoot their opponents vertically, like Fox's Up A. So a stage that is close to the upper blast line, such as Fountain of Dreams, will cause a knockout at lower percentages than other stages, giving Fox an advantage over characters without strong vertical kill moves. Bigger stages, like Dreamland, are generally better for characters that are more floaty or have great recoveries, like Peach and Mewtwo, while fast fallers like Captain Falcon would be knocked out sooner in the same situation. Because of these dynamics, choosing a stage in competitive play is a much more important factor in determining the outcome of a match. And this is partly why some stages are banned in tournaments. In Super Smash Bros. Melee, if the player presses shield while their character is in the air, the character will do an air dodge. Most players are aware of how this ability works, but there's an extra detail about air dodging that has been utilized in interesting ways. Some fans discovered that by performing an air dodge into the ground, characters will slide in on their landing and be free to attack. This developed into a technique for turning an extremely low-angled air dodge into a full-on slide over the ground. It was named wave dashing by fans. Repeating this button sequence quickly over and over can yield some mind-bending results. While the character is sliding, they can use abilities they normally use while they are standing still, including the shield. This means that a wave dash can be used to add momentum from an air dodge to ground tactics. Some characters' wave dashes are longer than others. The longest wave dash possible is Luigi, followed by the Ice Climbers, Mewtwo, and Marth. The shortest wave dash is shared by Peach and Zelda. Some players have complained that wave dashing breaks the balance of the game by giving certain characters more options than others. It was thought for a long time that this was a simple programming oversight and that the developers never intended for players to take advantage of the game's physics in this way. This was evidenced further with the release of Super Smash Bros. Brawl, in which wavedashing was deliberately removed. However, in an interview from issue 228 of Nintendo Power, Masahiro Sakurai explained that during the development of Melee, his team was well aware that the Maneuver fans dubbed wave dashing was possible. Of course we noticed you could do that during the development period. With Super Smash Bros. Brawl, it wasn't a matter of, okay, do we leave it in or take it out? We really wanted this game, again, to appeal to and be played Played by gamers of all different levels. We felt there was a growing gap between beginners and advanced players, and taking that out helped to level the playing field. Some players praised the decision to remove these high-level techniques and exploits, while other players bitterly resented Brawl because of the fact. But it's probably true that most players didn't even notice, and they continued to play Super Smash Bros. as the party game Sakurai originally intended it to be. You know, the remade Metroid Prime opening theme in Super Smash Bros. Brawl references unused material for Metroid Prime. The Brawl track has a short opening monologue. In the reaches of space, below the surface of planet Zebes, Samus Aran faced the space pirates. This monologue is actually a shortened version of a monologue spoken by Jennifer Hale, the voice of Samus in all three Metroid Prime games.
0: Ten years ago, below the surface of planet Zebes. The mercenaries known as Space Pirates were defeated by Interstellar Bounty Hunter Samus Aran.
7: The recording is still on the Metroid Prime game disc but likely went unused to preserve Samus's image as a mostly silent protagonist. The Super Smash Bros. series has a lot of musical trivia. The main menu theme of Super Smash Bros. Melee sounds strikingly similar to the opening segment of the Super Nintendo RPG Terra Enigma. Terra Enigma never came out in North America but was published by Nintendo in Europe. The first part of the Terra Enigma theme has a very similar melody to the one used in the Melee opening, and the composer for Melee may have taken inspiration from it. The rest area music in All Star Mode is a remake of the Great Cave Offensive Save Area music from Kirby Superstar. All Star Mode is also likely based on Kirby Superstar's Arena Mode, as both have the player fighting a number of random enemies, finishing off with a consistent final opponent. Both modes show who the player is going to fight next. And both have rest areas where the player can replenish their health. In the DS remake of Kirby Superstar, Kirby Superstar Ultra, the same music is used in the rest area between arena matches, the same as in Melee. While we're on the subject of Kirby, the music for the Fountain of Dreams stage is an orchestral remix of the Gourmet Race theme. This remix was used in Kirby, Nightmare in Dreamland during the battle against King Dedede at the Fountain of Dreams, and has since been recognized as the Fountain's theme. Because Nightmare in Dreamland released less than a year after Melee, it's safe to assume both games were in development at the same time. And so the Fountain of Dreams track was likely added to Melee as a teaser for the upcoming Kirby game. Content from the Super Smash Bros. series has been used in other games too. Mario's vocals for his down special move in backward throw were used in Mario vs. Donkey Kong on the Game Boy Advance. What's also interesting is that DK's voice clips in Melee were originally meant to be recycled from Donkey Kong 64. The man who voiced DK's role in Donkey Kong 64, Grant Kirkhope, went on record to say Nintendo requested if they could use the samples in Melee. But, much like the original Super Smash Bros., the developers decided to give DK realistic gorilla grunts to better fit the game. If language is set to Japanese in Super Smash Bros. Melee, Mewtwo will speak in full sentences for some of its victory poses. When the game is set to English, Mewtwo only laughs during its victory poses and taunt. But in Japanese, Mewtwo says, ikanai.
0: Watashi wa naze koko ni iru no ka?" and "Orokana."
7: Similarly, changing the settings to Japanese and Melee will make Falco speak during his taunts. When the game is set to English, Falco will simply scoff. Falco will either say, <laughs> Or, <laughs> When Falco wins a match in Japanese, he also says, <laughs> Marth and Roy speak in Japanese even when the language is set to English. So what they say goes over the heads of most English speaking players. Although Roy doesn't speak during his taunts, he has 3 lines for when he's victorious. Roy says, "Kurasii tatakai Or "Shin no tatakai And "Mamoru beki no tame ni Marth is more vocal than Roy and talks during his taunts and down special move. When performing a taunt, Marth says, "Minna!" While doing this down special counter move, Martha will say, そこだ! or, させるものか? Marth also has three possible victory statements, which are, and, In Melee's debug menu, Martha has an additional phrase. He says, Let's dance! It's likely this was discarded to keep Marth's speech consistently Japanese. At the time both Melee and Brawl were released, not a single Fire Emblem game featuring Marth had been localized in North America. This is probably why Nintendo chose not to translate his spoken dialogue to English.
5: From a single cameo appearance to a game all about other games appearing together in one place. During the village's final smash attack in Super Smash Bros. for Wii U, Tom Nook will appear and throw a vast array of furniture from the Animal Crossing series into the Fighter's new building. There's also a chance that he'll even throw a Triforce from the Zelda series into the house. Censorship isn't uncommon in the gaming industry, especially when games are brought to new regions. In some instances, however, developers will have to censor a game for even their own region, as can be seen with Super Smash Brothers for the Wii U. The Japanese are usually quite liberal when it comes to sexualized content in games. That said, one trophy in Super Smash Bros. for Wii U was specifically altered in Japan. The Japanese trophy for Wonderful 101's Wonder Pink is different to the international version. As well as having a different pose, all details underneath her skirt have been obscured with a shadow. As can be seen in the character's textures, Wonder Pink's underwear has been completely masked, making any upskirt peaks futile. It's believed this was done to comply with Japan's zero rating system, and guarantee the game an A rating, which is comparable to the ESRB's E for Everyone. The first fighting game we're talking about is somewhat controversial in this context, as many gamers don't consider it a fighting game at all, for some reason. Super Smash Bros Ultimate has an abundance of Pokémon within it, some are playable, some are in the background of stages, and some can be summoned from Pokéballs. Dragonite can be seen in the Kalos Pokemon League stage, but the Pokemon has a second unused model within the game's data. This model is located in the folder for Pokeball Pokemon, suggesting Dragonite was originally a summonable Pokemon too. The model in question is slightly different from the Dragonite seen in the Kalos Pokemon League stage, with a higher resolution texture shaded more like the assets that were made specifically for Ultimate.